0: Dark, scary, um, the unknown. Um, But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And you look at a wall and you think to yourself, I wonder how many layers uh, is behind this this one piece. You see the colors. Um, You know, the light comes in from, you know, both sides there. So
1: the first time we went down there, I just remember being a little scared almost, um, because it's like, you know, you're underneath a city and you're in the dark. You know, there's the unknown and there's also like the unknown because you're not sure like what kind of art you're going to encounter, you know, there's a lot of beautiful and historic work down there. They're going to build a public transit system in the seventies or eighties and they never got around to finishing it, so there's
2: a couple of miles of tunnel underneath the city that basically run along the
3: entirety of downtown. In between the beloved southern food chain, Dinosaur Barbecue, and the equally beloved Rochester Public Library, runs the Court Street Bridge. Cross that bridge, make a right towards the old aqueduct. Go down this well-paved, well-kept walkway where you might pass a pair of joggers or some businessmen taking lunch along the water.
2: Follow it for a minute until you reach a set of stairs leading up past Blue Cross Arena. Don't take them. Turn to your right where the railing bows out and the platform extends slightly over the water. You'll notice one of the large curved cutouts is perfectly positioned against the platform with a waist-high railing. Jump it. Come on, just swing your leg over.
3: You should now find yourself in a long cavern. There's so much dust on the ground you can't even feel the floor in some places. Depending on the day, your nose isn't having that much fun either catching the same
2: unsatisfactory smells that plague modern subway systems. But you're here for your eyes.
3: For about a mile, you'll walk through a living, changing museum of everything from doodles to murals. You'll see what was clearly a burst of boredom spray painted right next to a work that could only have taken hours. And both of them will blow you away. Welcome to what has come to fill the walls of Rochester's
2: abandoned subway. I'm Jason Lee. I'm Stella Wilkins. And I'm Haley Higgins. This is Here You Are, Season 4, Rochester Retold. Episode 5, Rochester's not-so-abandoned subway.
1: When the pandemics kind of hit, there wasn't any opportunity uh, to sit in the newsroom. Um, so I've been doing a lot more hiking. And as I start doing more hiking, I started doing more exploration around Rochester and just kind of realized, like, you know, there's this, this really amazing history over the last 40 years of, of graffiti and public art, and then whether it be wall therapy with, with you know, the 100-plus murals that they've um, commissioned in and around the city.
2: This is Will Cleveland, a journalist for the Democrat and Chronicle by day and graffiti art enthusiast also by day, but usually on his off hours. Cleveland's made a habit of documenting the many murals decorating countless walls around the city, but Rochester's work stretched far beyond the officially organized. People of all walks of life mark their temporary presence permanently against every city's walls in momentary color, words, and images.
1: They blessed me enough with, you know, kind of telling me about some of their secret spots. So, you know, like when I post things, I don't tag the locations because I want to keep like the integrity of, of some of these abandoned spaces um, and some of these secret spaces. Uh, so that kind of where it, kind of where it started. And then it just became like, I'm just going to start posting them on Instagram because it's kind of fun to like, you know, find all these things. But it's also more fun to like just show people all this undiscovered beauty in the city of Rochester.
3: So what does it mean when graffiti an act of expression that was previously interpreted as a sign of social decline, becomes a defining feature of a city. What does it mean to view these expressions as works of art, and where did it all begin?
0: So I've heard, you know, it was the 70s and 80s. Some people, you know, found it in the 90s. Uh, some are, you know, going down there and the you know, last weekend. Um, so it's kind of this really cool and ever-evolving space
3: this is Kwaje Donnell, a photographer and writer, especially interested in the public art scene. Among many other things, he works with Wall Therapy, a public art project that strives to bring murals to all parts of the city in an effort to build a community.
0: A lot of what I heard originally was, you know, it was a place that provided sunlight uh, and you could work during the day, but you wouldn't be bothered because no one knew you were there. Uh, So it kind of provided, you know, uh, when you think of street art, you think of graffiti. A lot of times the artists who are creating may not have the art supplies to go or the money to go out and buy art supplies like canvas or, uh, you know, other things of that nature. And so they're going, you know, down into these spaces and, you know, creating and really practicing. The subway provided a lot of that uh, and it still provides a lot of that where, You know, a lot of public artists are still doing a lot of the street art, um, you know, uncommissioned pieces, unsanctioned pieces, you know, illegal uh, to to an extent. Um, But they're creating um, and they're using, you know, their voice, their their talent to, to do that.
3: Although it's labeled the abandoned subway, this mile and a half of underground space is anything but. There are decades of paint covering every single inch of concrete. There may be abandoned items, like beer cans, paint cans, and the occasional suitcase, but the trails of footprints and the smell of wet paint reveal a space that is very much alive.
2: The subway has been defunct for so long, it's been a home to street art longer than a hub of public transportation. And, much like how the graffiti was a matter of happenstance, the original development of the subway was born out of opportunity rather than deliberate planning. Before the turn of the 20th century, there was a second body of water cutting through the heart of Rochester, the Erie Canal. But by 1919, the last boat had sailed through the city locks, and the canal had been rerouted elsewhere, leaving behind a vast cavern running through the rest of downtown, and a massive stone structure on Broad Street. That same stone structure, formerly the Second Genesee Aqueduct, where the Erie Canal was carried over the Genesee River, houses almost all of the ever-changing walls of graffiti today.
3: To make use of the caverns already in place, the subway was laid over this former canal. And similar to how abandoned subway is a bit of a misnomer, really referring to a mile long stretch of graffiti art, the Rochester subway of the 20th century is a misnomer for what was, in reality, roughly eight miles of above ground rails and a measly one and a half miles of actual underground traveling. Were it built today, the term light rail might be a little more appropriate.
2: Whatever you want to call it, the public transit system was both the mark of a booming city and a blessing to workers living in a time before the ubiquitousness of the automobile. The start of the subway is clear, formally opened in 1927, but its decline is a bit more complicated. Over the next four decades, it would change ownerships, routes, and functions several times. The last public transportation trip was made in 1956, but some portions were used to transport goods up until 1996. During that same time, portions of the subway were turned into sections of expressways I-490 and I-590. It's fitting that the subway doesn't have a neat conclusion, since the space has cycled through so many different functions. In another city, it might not have been forgotten and it may never have had the chance to house the proof of life it currently does. Today, it's become a well-known space for the community to come together and create, to leave their mark on a concrete canvas.
3: The art that's made within these walls is a meditation in temporality. No work is safe for long, but they aren't meant to be. In the same way, the space itself has been a permanent structure with temporary uses.
1: You know, everyone comes here to paint. It's kind of a good local spot where everyone comes and just gets to do legal graffiti and expressive paint and enjoy themselves. Uh, but I mean, it's you know, it's the nature of the art. It's all ephemeral. Um, you know, it's it's, and I think the graffiti writers and the muralists and the artists and everyone would would admit that too. That you know, they don't expect their work to last forever.
2: In 2018, the city of Rochester started to develop plans to revitalize the city by creating more communal spaces running along the Genesee River. The project, Rock the Riverway, that's R-O-C the Riverway, hopes to create attractive pedestrian-focused walkways, better serve the disabled community, and provide water-oriented development to
3: attract new employers and workers. The proposal of over a dozen Riverside projects by former mayor Lovely Warren Received a $50 million state grant from former Governor Andrew Cuomo. You can find more details about this project at cityofrochester.gov forward slash ROC the Riverway. One of the first tasks on their long list of projects is the complete reimagining of the aqueducts and subway space. They hope to remove the top deck of the Broad Street Bridge and make it an uncovered walkway. The final point in the already in existence Genesee River Trailway.
1: I'm really heartbroken about that. Um, it's, it's. I mean, I understand um, why they're going to do it. I think it has the potential to be really cool, but um, I, it's, it's sad to me that, that you know that graffiti writers are going to lose this form that they've enjoyed for decades.
3: As an artist, Quaje's main concern is that this plan keeps the preservation of art in mind
0: yeah it's a it's interesting and um i mean i think part of those processes are always interesting so i have not um reviewed the plan in detail but i know there are parts of the plan uh, including the um apartment that's currently there that nathaniel you know was part of it removed art it removed pieces right um and i think when you go into a space, remove what was there, and it's something that uh, is really connected to folks, you know, you have to have another plan. And I think any plan should include elements of public art, right? It shouldn't be an afterthought, it shouldn't be a, okay, people are very upset right now, let's uh, wrap this into to the plan. It should be recognizing the importance of that space for decades uh, and saying, you know what, how can we include some of these folks include some of these elements in whatever design uh, we have.
2: After hearing that the physical space of the abandoned subway would be phased out in the next few years, I was devastated. I don't know why. The works change frequently anyway. They're meant to be ephemeral. So what does it matter if a few of them go down all at once? When I heard the subway was going to close, my mind jumped to, of all places, my high school environmental science class. One of the few things I learned that actually stuck with me was that there's this thing called a background extinction rate. Extinction is a normal part of evolution by virtue of environmental changes, natural selection, and the cruel cruel world of the animal kingdom. Some species just don't make it. This is normal. It only becomes a problem when that rate unnaturally spikes say, in the form of a comet that wipes out 99% of living things, or in the face of global warming as areas rapidly become inhospitable. The subway has a background extinction rate, works cropping up and disappearing just as fast, but I couldn't help myself from mourning catastrophe in the form of Rock the Riverway.
3: Although the subway may be the biggest house of graffiti art, as Will told us, it's not the only one.
1: I mean, I'm familiar with what they're going to do, I understand why they're going to do it. They've been talking about doing something with that abandoned subway since the subway closed in the 1950s. Um, And, you know, it's been sitting vacant for for that long and it's, you know, probably slowly deteriorated. So something needs to be done to, you know, to kind of ensure and strengthen the infrastructure, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it saddens me that, you know, they're going to lose a form, but, you know, if If we we learn nothing else from graffiti writers, it's that they're very resourceful, and I'm sure they will find a new spot. Um, You know, you you see tons of work up at the Cobst water towers, you know, the empty water towers, and there's different spots in and around town um, that kind of of add to that rotating art gallery quality that you get um, at the subway.
3: At the same time, the abandoned subway was never meant to last. It's smack in the center of downtown. It couldn't stay forgotten forever. The art that canvases the subway walls are not necessarily meant to have the spotlight, either in the city or in comparison to their neighbors. What makes the space so impressive is the sheer volume of creation collected.
2: Admittedly, not every John was here scrawled hastily by the hands of an amateur is going to take your breath away. But it's seeing that John was here planted confidently next to a piece composed of spirals and swirls that look like they're alive, swimming on the concrete, and knowing that those two pieces are saying the same thing. I'm here. I'm alive. And by virtue of being a human being, I will create. My work might not last the week, but I am satisfied knowing I've contributed to this guestbook.
3: When you walk past the old aqueduct, you don't think much of it. It's easy to overlook what feels like background noise, irrelevant architectural details of the city. But when you take a closer look, these spaces show themselves to be so much more. These forgotten places are often given a new life, take on new histories, and perhaps aren't so abandoned after all.
2: Here You Are is a podcast created by students at the University of Rochester. This episode was produced by Haley Higgins, Stella Wilkins, and Jason Lee, with engineering by Jason Lee. The music used for this episode was performed and published by Blue Dot Sessions. Here You Are is created using Faders, a collaborative online audio production workstation. It offers browser-based audio recording and editing, all within an easy-to-use interface, all for free. Check it out at faders.io.
3: We'd like to thank Will Cleveland and Kwajay Donnell for their interviews. The coordinating producer for this season of Here You Are is Celia Cano, and the executive producers are Thomas Fleischman and Steven Resner. Be sure to check out other episodes of Here You Are Season 4, Rochester Retold, at hereyouare.com.